Welcome to the Let's Talk International Education podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Benny, founder of Top Schools. We're here for you, whether you're a parent, grandparent, a teacher, as long as you're interested in education, you're in the right place. We work hard to bring relevant, up-to-date and possibly controversial information on all things related to education. In this first season, we've invited education leaders from around the world, as well as parents just like you and I. We're pleased you found us. Don't forget to subscribe. And here's today's episode. Welcome to this head talk with myself, Ruth Benny from Top Schools. Um, so our head talk today is entitled Classrooms Without Walls. And I'm delighted to be joined by Nick Cotton, Executive Director of Outward Bound Hong Kong, and Howard Tuckett, Headmaster of Wickham Abbey Hong Kong. So should we say a quick hello to both Howard and Nick? Good evening, Howard. And good evening, Nick. Hey, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Hi. Thank you for joining us. We have a discussion today about learning outside of the classroom, and it seems it seems almost ludicrous that we actually have to mention this as a discrete topic. So let me start with yourself, Howard, and we'll come back to you, Nick, later on, if you don't mind. Howard, can you define for us what does it mean learning outside of the classroom? Because uh, I think that in my research for this, the definition is actually quite a lot wider than, than people might think. Yeah, absolutely. We keep hearing this this phrase, holistic education, and I know it's one of those sort of hot buzz phrases and many people use it a lot but aren't quite sure what it might all mean. Um, holistic literally means that we're educating the whole child, the entire personality, this developing person, that we're not just focused on the academics, which of course are very important, but in order for the academics to be fully realised, the whole of the rest of the person needs to be developing and challenged and growing as well so that people developing people, children, have the emotional strength, uh, the personality to deal with all of the challenges that their academic learning requires. And in order to take a broader view of life, following a sort of a logical approach, then it's very helpful to get outside of the classroom. And that is balanced by the fact that for many years now, I mean, we, we can find educational writers going right back into the 17th century, talking about the value of education outdoors, learning from nature, learning from our own physical limitations and, and challenging ourselves physically with the very, very simple things. I mean, anybody who's been for a jog or a walk knows what it feels like to think, oh, I don't know if I can go any further. Can I push a bit more? Can I push a bit harder? Very simply, our, our very civilized lives, our very technical lives, the minute we're starting to push ourselves physically, life becomes a lot simpler and, dare I say, a little bit more brutal. And it's not difficult to find your own limitations and to have to push on beyond those. So children who do very well academically or are comfortable academically, it's a very useful balance in life to educate the other part of the person, the rest of the, the whole person. Right. Thank you, Howard. Let's ask Nick if you have anything to add. Tell us a little bit about what you do with Outward Bound and what you do with children as part of a holistic learning programme. What we do is we try and give students the opportunity to be pushed, to be pushed in a different way. They become very comfortable learning how to please a teacher, how to meet a deadline, how to behave in school. And by taking them outdoors and putting them in a more challenging setting, a setting that they're not often in, then it, it stretches and trains those social muscles that perhaps they don't get to flex in school quite so much. 
it challenges their resilience. You know, life is never straightforward. And if you're at, without a bound on a sea kayaking journey, for example, or if you're you know stuck on a rock face when you're rock climbing, then that really does test your resilience. But what we do more importantly is that we actually reflect on that with the participants. So we don't just take them rock climbing. We don't just take them kayaking. We give them that opportunity to, to then sit down and think about it at the end of the day and then at the end of their course so that they can take those ideas back into school, back into life, back into their family life, and hopefully they can learn from those lessons. So, you know, we often get people who come back as adults and say, oh, have you still got that climbing wall because I didn't get to the top when I was 14? Or have you still got the jetty jump I really want to jump off because I was scared when I was, you know, a student, but now I want to test myself again. So it really is a lifelong learning process. Okay, thank you, Nick. Howard, I want to ask you about the campus and how you integrate the outdoors with the campus and maybe not only the outdoors. Is learning beyond the classrooms? Does it include just going outside the classroom? You have outdoor sports areas, et cetera, et cetera. And how is that integrated? Yeah, thank you. So Wikimabi Hong Kong, we follow a subject-based teaching model, which means that the children are moving out of their own homeroom, their own classroom, uh, probably in the region of 40% of their week. We have both indoor and outdoor physical education areas. We have a big indoor hall, which talking about physical challenges, it actually includes, we believe, we're told, it's the highest climbing wall in a school in Hong Kong. It's about three stories high, 14 odd meters or so. It certainly seems very high when you're at the top of it. I know I've been up there. We find that the challenge for young children, especially on the climbing wall, they're quite brave going up. It's when they have to let go and come down on the auto belay, that's when the challenge comes in. And very often a child who's shinned up 10, 12 metres quite quickly and quite bravely then sticks like a limpet and won't come off when it's time to come down. Or they try and climb down, which is just a lot of hard work, frankly. We all have our own personal challenges. And, you know, for some children, just learning to do simple things like catch or throw uh, with some sort of accuracy or, or regularity can be a real challenge. And for all ch children working in a classroom society, of course, it's not only the physical challenge that you're facing, you're doing so in a public arena. And children can be quite blunt with their opinions, especially when their opinions are about other people. And part of learning is learning to be supportive of each other in whatever physical challenge we might be offering a child to engage in, whether that's in one of our big outdoor spaces at Wickham Abbey or in the indoor physical spaces. It's learning to cope with the physical challenge yourself, knowing that you're doing so with 20 other people watching you, some of whom are quite liberal in, in their, their comments. And of yes. course, they need to be educated to be supportive because it's noticeable. One of the huge values of the more holistic outdoor, we call it outdoor learning, you call it physically challenging learning, is that the, the, the pecking order, the social order in an academic classroom where you've got the people who are really good at maths or really good at Chinese or English or something, and everybody knows what the order is. I mean, children know exactly where they fit in, in their the pecking order. I'm, I'm top of Chinese, you're kind of middle of Chinese. I go to the top of maths. Well, when we get outdoors and now suddenly there's something like a, you know, we've got to go leopard crawling under under some ropes that are that high, or we've got to do something with catching and throwing, or you'll do some climbing, the whole social order reverses. And that can take quite some getting used to, especially in a school environment that's heavily classroom dominated. And part of the value is that we keep mixing the social order up by moving into the classroom and out of the classroom. It seems 
as I said at the start, I think it almost seems ludicrous that we're having to talk about this because we're all from the UK and it's absolutely standard. It's even written into policy, into the English national curriculum. What particular challenges do you find that we can apply to the local context? Do, do Hong Kong children lead a more sedentary lifestyle? I mean, we all live in smaller homes. Does, does that contribute? And is that more of a reason to actually build this into the uh, curriculum in Hong Kong? The research evidence is overwhelming that being outdoors uh, for young people benefits them in any number of ways, whether that's through their ability to learn, whether it's through their mental well-being, whether it's through their ability to just connect and appreciate with nature. And so obviously there is a need for, in an urban area, for young people to be given opportunities to connect with the outdoors. And our founder, 50 years ago, that was one of the reasons why he said we need to start outbound Hong Kong, because as we move people into into uh, housing estates and housing blocks, they're going to lose that connection with, with uh, the outdoors. Do we need to be more inventive? Not necessarily. I think we often get into habits. And I think that, you know, as Howard has mentioned, being outdoors in the playground, feeling the, the wind on your face, that is, is beneficial. And I don't think that we necessarily need to be doing long expeditions out into the country parks in Hong Kong. And I think that as long as it is within a philosophy of a school and, and, and supported by the teachers and they find opportunity to take their young people outside, then I think that Hong Kong can benefit from those kind of micro adventures that are, that are available to, to lots of people. But I think that as a, as a society in Hong Kong, it is imperative that we find those opportunities. You know, we see young people who are scared of water. We see young people who are scared of butterflies because they've never experienced it. And and that just shows that they haven't been given that opportunity to get outside. And I think that it's so connecting with nature is one of our three pillars of our educational framework at Outbound Hong Kong. And, and I think that given what we have and the, the percentage of our territory, which is protected area, then I think there's really no excuse not to, to get young people outdoors and to feel that sense of awe and that sense of wonder at, at nature um, and just to reset a little bit. I think being quite quite new to Hong Kong, I've been here 18 months now, I find quite Hong, Hong Kongers are quite hard on themselves, actually, in view. I often hear that people say that they lead a sedentary life, their children don't get enough time outside. But I do find there is a huge awareness in Hong Kong of the great outdoors, of the need to be outdoors. I believe Hong Kong has more miles of hiking trail per capita than almost anywhere else in the world. And you only have to look at the the pictures and, and try some of the hiking trails on the weekend to realize how many people are out there. Sometimes it seems there's more people on the hiking trails than there are on the roads. I don't find Hong Kong children to be any less used to the sort of the, the real outdoors and say London children are who very often don't get out very much either even though they do have parks and uh, green areas to go to. I, I think Hong Kong should be encouraged. There is a real awareness and I think as educators we can add polished direction to that but, but I, I do think people really do see the value of it. I think sorry if I can just jump in there to, to, to add on to what Howard's just said. One of my frustrations that I often hear or, or see is, is parents or teachers saying, oh, you know, that's too tough for the children in our school. And as Howard has said, Hong Kong's young people are the same as young people all over the world. And we know that young people are able to play. They're able to appreciate the outdoors. And I think that every young person, if they're given the opportunity, can hike, can swim, can kayak, can, can you know, be physically active in the outdoors and will benefit from it. And, and I think that it, often it's the adults that put the block in the way of the young people. I mean, just to support what Nick said there, I've been fortunate enough to attend outward bound centres ranging from, from Abu Dhabi, which I, I believe was the founding centre in Wales. I've been to outward bound courses with pupils as far as flung places as Zimbabwe and now Hong Kong. 
and the quality and the challenge is equally good in all of the upward bound centers I've visited around the world. But critically, the reaction of primary age children, the children of the age group I work in, they have found it equally challenging wherever they are, somewhere that's really kind of far flung and quite outdoorsy like Zimbabwe. Primary age children are just as challenged doing the same things, climbing up a pole, jumping off a height into water. It's just as challenging for those children. And that is universal in my experience. I don't think one part of the world is particularly tougher or more sedentary than any other. As a middle-aged man, you get inveigled into all this stuff. You know, I could do that when I was 18. But when you're 45 and you're climbing up that telephone pole, it doesn't get any easier. You've mentioned as there's a lot there's a lot to talk about. We haven't got a, a, an awful lot of time. Maybe we could start with how is Outward Bound going to be working with Wickham Abbey, the primary school children? How are they going to be going out on the expeditions and how is that integrated to the curriculum? Wickham Abbey and Outward Bound, we're a very new school, so we're busy founding. We're just into our second year and what a year this has been to, to be opening a school. But things are going very well. We're, we're, we're moving forward at a great rate. And it's now time that we start investing in a culture of external education, outdoors education, merging environmental education with pure outdoor education. And Outward Bound being in Hong Kong are the perfect partner for us. There are talks at the moment uh, going on between our two organisations. I'll just add that working with an organisation that's in its second year actually for us is absolutely the perfect time for us to get involved because what we can do is we can kind of, as Howard has said, we can build that into the culture of the school so that parents, teachers, pupils understand it. They understand how it fits into the curriculum and it's not bolted onto the curriculum, that it is integral to the curriculum. Uh, And so then teachers are making use of the the outdoor experience in the classroom and it's not just something that they stop the classroom teaching and then go outdoors and then start the classroom teaching it really is integrated into it and and everybody gets the most out of it so for us it's the perfect time to be having those conversations. Thank you Nick. Howard you alluded at the beginning that there's lots of research that shows that children who are engaged in such outdoor activities do better academically Um, so can we move from outdoors back into the classroom and and talk a little bit about how it actually does benefit children when they return to the classroom. Yeah, certainly. I don't think engaging in outdoor education is going to make you any more academically capable. It doesn't mean that if you go for a long run, you get brighter, but it does build up resilience. And it was Kurt Hahn, who was the great founder of so much of our modern outdoor education, who together with as in, around the world as people were realizing the same thing. But he's a central character and his name will keep popping up in wherever outdoor environmental education comes in. It was Kurt Hahn who actually said that resilience is the ability to recover quickly from adversity. And adversity can come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. And you are definitely going to come across adversity when you're engaging academically. Academic work is challenging. Learning is all about making mistakes. I do notice in Hong Kong that people are really very cautious about making mistakes and B, being seen to make mistakes. And very often would much rather not engage in the exercise or not answer the question rather than be seen to get something wrong. And this is a cultural factor that we work very hard at. A wrong answer is halfway to being a right answer, but it can be a bit embarrassing if you don't get it quite right the first time. And that is adversity. That is something that's gone wrong. It's not as challenging as being halfway up a mountain and freezing cold and and what have you, but it's the same feeling inside that you're not in control and that you need to be able to cope with this or deal with it and not let it defeat you. And that's what adversity is. And to build resilience, the ability to overcome adversity, just shake it off and, and carry on. 
Yeah, it's interesting, Howard. I think that I'm hearing a lot of words, you know, resilience, tenacity, and I'm thinking of some of those IB learner profiles. So when we talk to an IB school, um, International Baccalaureate, they have these learner profiles. And I think that parents often mistakenly believe that when you look at an English national curriculum, those same learner profiles are not embedded into the curriculum, yet they are. Can you talk a bit more about some of those other attitudes or IB profiles of, of balance and, and responsibility, and yet they all do exist in the English national curriculum, don't they, Howard? Absolutely. I'm sorry, I'm not an expert on IB, and uh, I've never actually taught an IB system, but I know enough about it to know that, I mean, you've heard me say this before, Ruth, there's no such thing as a bad curriculum. These are both the, the, the um, national curriculum for England and Wales, the IB curriculum, and there are various IB curriculums. They're all great curriculums, and they all require engaged learners, children who are becoming lifelong learners who see that learning is a part of life that is going to be a part of their character to be perpetually curious, never to be satisfied with just knowing a bit, uh, always wanting to know more. And this is developing the lifelong learner. We talk about mindsets, the learning mindset. And I think this is a universal language that you will find equally in IB or English National Curriculum or indeed any other major curriculum. The curriculum itself is really just the means to the same end. It's a slightly different route to get to the same place. But there's, it doesn't make one curriculum better than the other or necessarily in outcome all that different to the others. It's just styles of teaching. And I believe these styles of teaching really come from the culture of the nations where these various curricula originally grew from. Thank you, Howard. I just wanted to address that because I do believe that parents have that misperception. So we are reaching the end. Maybe we could end with one utterance. What would you say to a parent who's not sure about this, who's worried that their children might not enjoy this or, or might not benefit from this? Maybe we can come to you, Nick. You must be very experienced at answering these sorts of objections. I have had that conversation a few times, yes. As I started with earlier, it, it often is the parent's anxiety that gets in the way. And, and really, the, the only answer to that is that the parent should come and try it. So we also do work with, with adults and, you know, middle-aged adults. Um, and we hear the same thing. Oh, I could never go, as Howard has said, I could never go on the top of that telegraph pole. I could never jump off there. I could never sleep in a tent. And, of course, once they do it, they realise that actually it's not that bad. And, 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 of course, they get a huge amount out of it. And they want to come back. You know, we have a bit of a cliche on the first day you want to go last and on the last day you want to go first and that's it's, it's a cliche because it's absolutely true and so the parent needs to buy into uh, you know all the things that we've been talking about and, and trust 50 years in our case of, of what we've been doing and, and we've been doing it for 50 years because it works and it's a proven model and the results uh, speak for themselves and that parent's child is going to be no different to the other of thousands of other children that we see every year so yeah let them go and, and we'll look after them. I think the thing I would say is that if you think back, those of us who are adults, if you think back to your school days and think of the best memory you've got from your days at school, the chances are that treasured memory, that really top moment you remember from school, the chances are that did not happen in a classroom. It would have been possibly a sporting event. It would have been an outdoors event. It would have been on a camp, on a hike, something outdoors. And Yes, of course, scary things happen, but that's part of the challenge. And we only really feel a sense of achievement that we really have done something wonderful when we have challenged ourselves and we've been through something challenging. But to have that, that high of I've really done something special, you do need to be prepared that you're going to go through a slightly challenging time. But that's no reason not to do it. Who wants a boring life? 
Thank you so much. I think we have reached the end of, of our time. Thank you to Howard Tuckett, Headmaster of Wickham Abbey School, Hong Kong. And thank you to Nick Cotton, Executive Director of Outward Bound Hong Kong. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the Hong Kong education system and parenting and education news and trends, check out our back catalogue, all available to download for free. You can also head over to our YouTube, Facebook or website for lots of free, useful information for parents and educators. Links in the show notes. Until next time.